The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. The young Iowa team getting most of its carries from freshmen and sophomores. And here in the, the red zone, it's a sophomore tailback bullet. Angling. Scoring! What a timely touchdown for Iowa. Great execution. Bullock finishing with force, swinging that momentum back to the Hawkeye. Opportunistic taking advantage of the fumble. Akeem Hunt coughed it up, and then Damon Bullock took it in. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our first of two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This one features Susan Dink, who looks back at the Hawks' loss to Purdue. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten coaches' call. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Marv Cook and Brent Balbonade, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dink, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook. X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Josh Lewin and Chris Martin. A nice job calling that game. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call. Here's some of what he had to say about his defense having to prepare for both Michigan quarterbacks Denard Robinson and Devin Gardner, about Gardner's development subbing in for Robinson, about his team's rushing struggles, about Iowa's league-leading turnover margin versus his team's record, and about the challenges Michigan's defense poses for his anemic Iowa offense. It's a little bit tricky, and uh, you know they're, they're both good players they're, they're a little different in terms of what they they do and how they how they uh you know attack you when those quarterbacks are in so that, that is a little bit different for sure and, and nobody's going to know you know as i understand it you know robinson's day to day and that means he might be out there he might not be so we have to prepare as if uh either guy's going to play and you know even the possibility of both of them playing so it's it's a little bit unique uh, a little bit different and uh you know we kind of went through that a little bit with uh, minnesota earlier in the year but you, know, you just uh you know that's one of the circumstances that uh, we face this week so we'll have to have to prepare that I certainly don't coach at Michigan, but I think it's a case they had two outstanding players and wanted to, to find a way to get him on the field, and he was doing a great job uh, receiver. And now certainly with the situation that occurred, you know, he transitioned back. And I think we've seen this with each week. He's grown. His confidence has grown. The package has grown. And uh, I'm playing very well, very effectively, and he's a very dangerous player in a couple, couple areas. Some of our personnel uh, situations have created that, certainly. So you know, we've lost a couple linemen, lost a, a really good running back, and you know, we're not real deep at that position anyway. So certainly uh, you know, your personnel kind of dictates the direction you go, as, as does the score of the games. But you know, outside of the Penn State game, you know, we were really never in that. So you know, if you take that out of the equation, uh, I think probably the other, other ones, you know, it's more driven by just you know, getting our best players on the field and doing what we think is, is, uh, gives them the best chance to, to have success. 
It, it, it's a little bit unusual. It's, it's not totally unusual, but a little unusual. Uh, the one thing I would say is that you know it's hard to have a good football team, a winning team, and a winning you know successful season if, if you're poor in that area. So I think that's not not quite an absolute, but almost an absolute. And then flipping it around, uh, you know, if, if you don't do a good job in that area, you, you know, or if you do do a good job in that area, it doesn't necessarily guarantee success. But our guys have done a good job of taking care of the ball, and I think we've been opportunistic defensively. And uh, the other positives are our kicking game has improved, I think, significantly. So those are those are things that we have, you know, I think, steadily gained ground in. The challenges of playing their defense, similar to last year. You know, you turn the film on, they're extremely sound, very well coached. They've got good players, and, and they play hard. You know, and I think that's, uh, you know, when I think back, I've, I've been associated with this league for a while. You know, going back to the 80s, I think that's one of the first things I've always thought about uh, when you think about Michigan is that they, they line up with a, a good scheme. It's usually not overly exotic, although, you know, these guys give you some challenges that really uh, can keep you up at night uh, with their schemes. But the, the big thing is they play extremely hard, and that, that's where, you know, playing good football starts. And, and yeah thing is that their their offensive line does a really good job you know they're they're big physical guys that really block well and you know again that i could be talking from 1985 and saying the same thing so there, there are some real parallels the faces are different and the schemes are different i'm not suggesting it's exactly the same but you know and then on top of it, they got good skill players to go with it so it's, it's just a really good football team Let's take a quick look back at some game notes and key stats from last Saturday's Iowa-Purdue game. Hope may be alive at Purdue, but it's fading fast in Iowa City, where the Boilermakers kicked a game-winning 46-yard field goal as time expired. Purdue's 27-24 win broke its five-game losing streak and extended Iowa's to four. The Hawkeyes are now two games below 500 and virtually guaranteed to have their first losing season since 2000. The Hawkeyes also lead the FBS in games decided by three points or less, and they are only 2-4 and four in those contests. Iowa will have to pull off two consecutive major upsets at Michigan and then at home against Nebraska to claw its way back to a 6-6 six and six record and bowl eligibility. While nothing is technically impossible, that's about as improbable as it gets given the way this Iowa team is performing in November. Purdue did its best to keep Iowa in this game, surrendering three fumbles to the Hawks, including one run back for a touchdown by Micah Hyde, and Purdue got flagged at 10 times for 100 yards at crucial points in the game. Iowa did not have a single turnover. None of that mattered in the end. Iowa's offense was once again woefully inconsistent and Iowa's defense had its worst tackling game of the year. Key stats and facts from this game. The Hawkeyes were outgained by Purdue 490 to 264 yards. Purdue ran 79 offensive plays to 67 for Iowa. The Hawks were only 4 of 16 in third down conversions. It was 4-3 three and outs plus two four and outs and Iowa was just one of three on fourth down attempts. Purdue on the other hand nine of 16 in third down conversions one of one on fourth down plays and was four of five in the red zone. The Hawks could only muster 74 yards rushing that against one of the worst rushing defenses in the nation. Purdue on the other hand ripped off 211 on Iowa and doubled the Hawks at 4.8 yards per run. Purdue also finished with 279 yards passing to Iowa's 190. Purdue sacked Iowa Iowa quarterback James Vandenberg three times for 24 yards. Iowa had one technical sack for a loss of three. Vandenberg did get his fifth touchdown pass. Remember, this is the 10th game of the season. This TD pass went to tight end C.J. Fedorowicz. That was his first TD reception of the year. Equally hard to believe. Micah Hyde's fumble recovery returned for a touchdown was the third defensive TD of his career. This was also Iowa's first fumble return for a touchdown since Bob Sanders did that in 2003. Take the nuts! 
into the wind, and they will try a short field goal for the tie. Mike Meyer is 15 out of 18 this year. Should be a gimme putt from the left half. 24-yard attempt, and he socks it up and in. So with about three and a half to go, this is all tied up here in Iowa City. Time now for the first of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows, this with Susan Dink. You can read Susan's articles in The Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. You can also follow Susan on Twitter at Susan Dink. Susan looks back at the Purdue game and more. Susan, Iowa stumbles at home against Purdue. It's now the Hawkeyes' longest losing streak, four games since 2007. Purdue breaks a five-game losing streak this season, and it's their first win at Kinnick since 1992. The season feels like it's turned into the movie Groundhog Day. We're making mediocre teams look good, and thank goodness this year's schedule didn't include Wisconsin or Ohio State from Iowa's perspective. You know, Purdue coming in, you look at the record 0-5, not doing too well, but then you look at, at some of the losses that they had, they took number seven Ohio State into overtime before finally losing that one. And then they, they played Notre Dame to a, a 2017 game. So it's not like they didn't have anything at all. You knew they could be dangerous. And, you know, some of these teams can come in here, and even though Iowa shouldn't be looking past them, maybe they are. I mean, there's a big game with Michigan coming up this week, and, you know, Iowa should have been trying to get things back on track, but who knows if that was the case. This virtually guarantees the first losing season since 2000. I mean, the odds of Iowa winning both at Michigan and home against Nebraska are, what would you say, nil? <laughs> Pretty much, but you know, you know the Hawkeyes, they always seem to pull one out when you, you least expect them to. I, I can't really see that happening against Michigan. They came back and, and had a, a really good win over Northwestern this past week, and then Nebraska coming in here, you know there's going to be a ton of Nebraska fans here. It's, it's going to be a, a pretty good atmosphere for the Huskers coming into Kinnick, so can't see it happening, but you just never know. Players indicated that Ferentz went pretty much ballistic at halftime. In the postgame press conference, Kirk indicated that much of the issues in the game stemmed from the their poor play in the first half and that he, he was outcoached, and he talked about dog crap and lunar issues and everything else, but he still seems to be focusing nearly everything on a lack of execution as opposed to pointing fingers at play calling or schemes or game plans. You know, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, with the lack of execution, as he keeps saying, who knows what would happen if they could actually execute what is being called and, you know, you know what the schemes are and, and what they're bringing in there. You know, if they are, were actually playing well and making those, you know, they're not that far away. You know, if you look at the losses, I think their losses are combined, what was it, 10 points or something like that. It's not like they're getting blown out. They are close. They're, they're ugly, but they are close. And, you know, maybe those one or two plays here or there, they execute and it's a completely different outcome. The offense has been pretty much bad all season long. Now the defense has joined them in that badness. But if you go back to the offense, in this game against one of the worst rushing defenses in the Big Ten and the FBS, Iowa was outgained 490 to 264 yards in total offense. Purdue did its best to, if not let Iowa win, certainly keep them in the game. They lost three fumbles, including the one that was returned nine yards by Hyde for a touchdown. They had absolutely killer penalties at several crucial times that, frankly, kept Iowa's offense alive in a couple of drives. And yet, you know, if you look at the game, it but for those turnovers and those 
penalties, this should have been a blowout Purdue win. And if it wasn't for Hyde's fumble recovery for the touchdown, the Hawkeyes wouldn't even have been in that game near the end. That is absolutely true. You know, it really was disappointing. I mean, you looked at the numbers coming in with Purdue's defense just being so horrible, and you thought, okay, maybe there's a chance that this Iowa offense can finally kind of get back on track. Uh, you know, even though Mark Weissman still is not playing, you knew coming in that Damon Bullock had the ability to run for some yardage, and they ended up with 74 rushing yards, 20 of those coming on a James Vandenberg scramble. So still really just horrible numbers, you know, a number of drops, a number of times that Vandenberg didn't even come near the receivers, and it was just really disappointing all around. 18 rushing yards in the first half. That That's almost hard to imagine for any team in the Big Ten, and they only had eight more in the third quarter. They averaged 2.4 yards a carry. Let's talk about Iowa's last offensive play, which I think is still leaving a lot of people scratching their heads. You have fourth and three. Vandenberg doesn't even look to an open Fedorowicz. Instead, on fourth and three, he makes a one-yard pass in the flat to tight end Zach Derby, and Derby said after the game he was instructed to only run one yard. It, it just kind of seems like that's the season. That's exactly what's been going on, You, you know, whether it's third down or fourth down, whatever it is, and they have, you know, four, five, six. They go for these, you know, one or two-yard passes, expecting, you know, getting these yards after catch, and it's just not happening. And you'd think at some point they would finally say, okay, let's try something different. Or, you know, maybe something would click in Vandenberg's head and say, okay, I need to look for somebody else or take the time. I, I just don't know what it is, if it's the scheme, if it's Vandenberg, if it's, you know, what's going on there that doing this. You know, and the other thing is you, you didn't think about the, the field goal. You know, you have one of the best field goal kickers in the country in Mike Meyer, and you go for this fourth down when your offense hasn't been able to do anything all day. Yeah, I guess I kind of agree with Kirk's decision on not trying that field goal attempt because of the wind, which was a factor all day long, kicking and passing. But Iowa continues to have these issues on third and short. You watch every team that the Hawkeyes play. They seem to know exactly where the first down marker is, and their receivers are usually one yard beyond it, if not more. Going for it on fourth and three and throwing a designed one-yard pass, that that still just boggles my mind. It does. It does. Um, Talking to the players, you know, some were saying it was supposed to be a one-yard route, and some were saying it was supposed to be three or four. So there's kind of, I don't know if there's confusion there or or what was going on, but depending on who you talk to, you got some different answers there. Well, if you want to have a great chance to be Big Ten Player of the Week, look forward to playing the Hawkeyes for the fourth week in a row. That happened, and this time it was Kawan Short, who ate Iowa alive much of the day in the middle. He's a pretty impressive guy. He plays like that. He'll be a first-round NFL pick. Yeah, he did. I mean, there were some hits. He just kind of grimaced and, and shook your head at, you know, stopping Bullock or, you know, just some of the plays that he made. It was just absolutely amazing. It just seemed like he was just everywhere. It kind of amazed me when I saw the total. He only had, you know, six total tackles, you know, before. Four of those tackles were for loss for minus 15 yards in one sack. Let's talk about Iowa's defense a bit. Iowa's defense now in the last four games, more than 1,900 total yards they've given up. They're giving up an average of 470 yards per game, 29.25 points a game. They're now last in the Big Ten and 110th in the FBS on those kind of stats. And this game clearly was an issue with respect to tackling. It was bad tackling almost from start to finish. It's just absolutely mind-blowing that an Iowa football team, 10 games into the season, can't do the fundamentals. That they can't tackle, that they can't wrap somebody up. You just, you don't see that with Iowa. You know, it's really, you know, really just... (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's leaving me speechless here because you don't see that. You know, since I've been covering Iowa football, and I'm sure way before, you don't see those breakdowns, especially on defense. You know, early in the season when they were supposed to be the weakness of this team, they were really coming through and keeping the offense in the games, you know, and even helping them to wins. But then all of a sudden, you know, something changed, and now they can't even do the simple fundamental things. You know, they talk about on um, offense, the execution, but, you know, the defense is not executing either and in, in tackling, and they just can't seem to stop anybody. And it just really, you know, obviously they don't have any answers to that either. I don't think observers are willing to cut the defense much slack here, but you still look at the last four games again. Iowa's offense can't stay on the field. So many three and outs and horrible third down conversion rate, which means you're putting your defense back out there and letting the other team's offense run a lot more plays in this game. Purdue's offense runs 79 plays to Iowa 67. Again, that puts your defense back up against the wall almost from the outset. It does, you know, and that, you know, obviously has something to do with it, you know, but at the beginning of the game, you can't go back to, you know, them being on the field too much. They're fresh at that point, and they're still not being able to make those tackles and, and stopping these plays, you know, even when they are fresh. And, you know, you, you bring in these new players all the time, and it just, they can't seem to, you know, to actually execute on defense. More from Susan Dank after this break. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs> Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brommel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Back to our conversation with Susan Dink. We examine Purdue's game-winning drive and the state of the Iowa football program. Let's talk about Purdue's last drive. That was uh, that was impressive. They had very few seconds left on the clock. They go 37 yards on three plays in 16 seconds to set up the game-winning 46-yard field goal as time expired with a quarterback, Robert Marv, playing on one good leg. What was impressive to me about it, you've got their head coach, Danny Hope, who by all reports is on his way out at Purdue, regardless of what happens in the next two games. And yet, you know, he said in their mind, there was never any second guessing. They were going for the win. They weren't going for the tie. Contrast that with the Ferentz approach. Right, right. You know, it was funny, you know, listening to um, Hope do his radio show afterwards in the interview room. He said they knew they were going to win this game. You know, not just that last drive. They were confident, you know, getting on the bus, coming to Iowa City, getting to the stadium. They they were knew they were going to win this game. And to me, for 
for an 0-5 team to be able to to come in to a visiting Big Ten stadium and be that confident, you know, that just, I think, shows in that last drive where they knew what they were going to do. They weren't going to second-guess anything. That's what they were going to do. Like you said, Marv, who's going to need another ACL repair, I think that's what his second, third <laughs> one, something like that. And to play the way he played and to make those you know, plays at the end. And then Paul Griggs, this freshman, you know, they have a horrible kicking game. That's what all the uh, Purdue media in the press box were saying that they just could not believe they were going to put him out there to try to make this field goal because they just have this horrendous kicking game. And you know, for him to come out and to make a 46-yard field goal at the end to win that game was just absolutely amazing and just shows the confidence in what Danny Hope, even though they're not winning, has instilled in this team. You can pick on lots of stats in this game and the season for Iowa. Almost as glaring now on the defensive side of the ball as Vandenberg's total number of touchdown passes through 10 games is Iowa's sack total. In this game, they only got one sack, and that, that was te- that was a technical sack. They ran the quarterback out of bounds. They didn't actually sack him behind the line of scrimmage. On the other side of the coin, Purdue got three sacks for a total of 24 yards there. But Iowa continues to struggle, and even when the defense was playing better earlier in the season, they have struggled all year long at getting any kind of consistent pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, and, that, and you know, another just another big surprise on defense, you know, that they haven't been you know able to do that this year because that's you know obviously something that every team wants to do. You, you cause all kinds of havoc when you do that, and that, that they haven't been able to do that has just been kind of amazing. You know, on the other hand, Iowa's offensive line and the issues that they've been undergoing recently with injuries and everything. You know, they went through that long stretch where they were not giving up any. Now all of a sudden, you know, with all the you know, musical chairs on the offensive line, it's really not surprising that you know that's happening on the offense. Ferentz talked after the game about the only bright spot he saw was special teams play, which he said is now overall playing well enough to win in the Big Ten. Certainly another really positive game by Jordan Cotton in kickoff returns. And also, Cotton had a couple of really key plays as the gunner on punt and kickoff uh, coverage. Jordan really is turning into one of these, you know, players that the fans are loving to see out there, you know, even in these, you know, these losses, you're kind of expecting him to do something. You know, he had that one touchdown a few weeks ago called back for a penalty, you know, but it shows that he has that ability to break those and make some really, really great plays on those returns. And, you know, he just, he goes full speed all the time. You know, as you see on some of those plays where he is you know, running toward the ball and, and trying to take people out and tackle them, you really, he's a lot of fun to watch and you never know when something really great is going to happen when he has the ball. Looking at this from 35,000 feet here, discounting 1999 and 2000 when Ferentz was just coming in and installing his systems, you'd have had a couple of down years at the end there under Hayden Fry and some loss in talent. Do you agree with people who are saying that this is probably the most disappointing and or worst team in the Ferentz era at Iowa? I think it would have to be one of the most disappointing. You knew coming in that you probably weren't going to compete for you know a Big Ten championship this year. Just too many pieces were gone. But you thought you had people who were going to be able to step in there and you know win the games at least that you were supposed to, and then win one or two that maybe you weren't supposed to. You know, be bowl eligible and go to a decent bowl game. You know, not you know, obviously what we've seen here so far this year. You know, but definitely disappointing. Not only in the wins and losses, but just how things are unfolding. You know, the the offense that really can't seem to get anything going because even in the past, you know, you've had that running game. No matter who you've had in there, you've had that running game that you know you've been able to, to at least score some points and get some yardage that way. And just we're not seeing that this year since Mark Weissman went down. And then on defense, I mean, I think that's really disappointing. You always have these really great defensive Iowa teams. That just hasn't been the case, you know, other than the first 
first few games of the season. They've just come out and they've really, like you said, they're not tackling and they're just not making those big plays when you need to. Any other thoughts this week? <laughs> not really. <laughs> I have no opinions. I have an opinion. I want the season to be over. Yeah. High formation and Akeem Hunt will run to the right side. Lost the football, and Iowa's on it at the 22-yard line. Darian Cooper's got it. Well, this defensive front is so inexperienced, but they are hungry. And guys like Cooper has to grow up real quick. He's got it for Iowa at the 22 going in. Steve Bigak is the guy who popped it out of there. And what a break for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Purdue, not a team that fumbles a lot, just did. HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Susan Dank. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. You can call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.